one of the things the blockchain does is increase both security, automation, and interoperability, which I think are all things that you know people in this space care about so we can build better solutions for, for our customers and ultimately society. You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Chris D'Antuono with Currency Cloud. And today I'm happy to have Jeremy Allman from Paystan. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here, Chris. Yeah, it's really good to have you. Uh, you know, Jeremy is the founder and CEO of Paystand, and I will let you lead the floor of your background and history and what you know brought you to create Paystand and, and take care of the challenges in the market. Mm, yeah, ab- absolutely, Chris. So a little high-level context on, on Paystand. Paystand is a business-to-business payment network. So you can imagine what, what Venmo is between consumers, a completely you know, digital, cashless payment network experience, we are for complicated commercial transactions where there's a, a contract and an invoice in the process. Uh, there's accounts receivable, accounts payable. And so the workflow is quite complicated. And what you find is the vast majority of that, that type of payment experience in the US is still mind-blowingly still paper checks. And so we come in and we digitize that process, give this sort of magic consumer-like experience where today we, we walk out of Uber and money just magically moves. We walk into Starbucks to order our, our coffee and you know it magically just appears. But on the commercial side, that doesn't happen. And so we come in, we digitize the customer experience with this modern experience. We help automate the whole process, sort of like self-driving money. And then we, we dramatically lower the costs to receive your revenue by having this, this no-fee network. So we're, we're somewhat known in the industry, I'd say, because the rest of the industry and the payment side generally charges a basis point model. And, and we don't. We, we are a completely fee-less uh, network, which is uh, quite important when a company is moving you know, a $100,000 invoice or contract with a company they've worked with for a decade. And so um, we come in and, and we digitize the process and we help get their revenue faster, cheaper, and more efficiently and eliminate all the fees. So... Um, that's a little bit about pace now. All right. So yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot there and I'd love to dive a little bit deeper without mm-hmm. giving away your, your secret sauce. The term the B2B Venmo is very interesting and I'm sure it'll be really interesting to our listeners. Could you talk a little bit deeper of how you guys actually do it, I guess, in, in that sense of things without you know, obviously giving too much away? Yeah, no, no, no. So, so, so one of the things I'd say at, you know, at the enterprise level, what's different from the consumer side is at the enterprise level, customers um, are—they've already spent a significant amount of their um, investment organizationally in making their the DNA of their business, the operating system of their business, more digital. Right. So, at the enterprise level, that means you've got you know Salesforce to to keep track of your customers, right? In the cloud, you've got you know Oracle NetSuite maybe to keep track of your operations, and maybe you've got you know you know ServiceNow or something on the service side. So. Uh, the ironic thing is the money side doesn't match all of that. So, so if you're pushing paper when the reality is you've got a, a digital contract with a customer and a digital invoice with the customer, um, you know, it's, it's a mismatch, right? Uh, and so what we do is we come in and um, we, we tie very deeply into the systems of records. So we, we are able to know, okay, there's a contract term that says, when I deliver these goods and services in 30 days, you will pay me. Right. So somewhat similar to, you know, when I get out of an Uber car, you know, I, the, the Uber magically knows who's, what driver was I with? 
how far did I go? What was the rate I was supposed to be charged? And then when did I get out, right? And then it sort of culminates in this magic kind of moment that I just walk out and instead of handing a taxi driver money, I'm able to just leave, right? And so we do that at right. the com- commercial level, right? Which is, you know, if, if I know in the, the systems of record, the, you know, your Oracle and your Salesforce and all these things that, you know, when I move money across a supply chain and it says, hey, you know, we're going to deliver services in 30 days and then a truck's going to pick it up and take it down the supply chain to a warehouse and then a warehouse is going to ship it to a wholesale center and a, and a retail center is ultimately going to pick it up. All of that actually lives digitally, but the money doesn't flow that way. And so, A, we help match the money, the actual movement of the money to those contract and invoice terms that live digitally, which today they're disconnected. And then, and so we are able to make that sort of an automated process. And we use something called a smart contract that does that. So that actually, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a blockchain term, but it basically means, you know, what, what digitally is, is contractually valid should actually happen. And so, so that's an, it's a new sort of financial service infrastructure that can do that. And then we, we have our own set of rails over an open network, our own network that basically is able to move the money instead of through a Visa or a MasterCard rail, is able to actually move the money in a much more cost-effective way. Because at the end of the day, the money movement on a, in a low-risk transaction that's defined by contract terms that customers have already you know, sort of agreed to, um, there's no reason you should pay you know, Visa or MasterCard 3 or 2% or otherwise, or mm-hmm. you should wait five days for a legacy payment rail. We think the money should move automatically, instantly, and at, at zero cost. And so run it over our rails, we treat it like software, and we're turning money at the commercial level into software. Does it require much uplift from, I guess, the enterprise or the, the, the business that you're bringing on to transition over to this type of model? No. So the, the key thing for our kind of sales pro- proposition is we tend to match the customer where they're at in, in two core ways. One, we match them by working with their existing systems of record. So again, a core part of our thesis is you as a company um, move to the cloud, right? So if, if your core business is already in the cloud, if your contracts and your invoices and your receivables are already defined digitally, it's crazy that the revenue part that is the fuel that runs the business, it's crazy that that part is not digital when the rest of the definition of how the money should move is. And so first we work really closely with, you know, whether it's the, the oracles of the world or the sales forces or the SAPs uh, to sort of match hand in glove with, with the information that is, is the source of truth. And then secondly, we, we also, we take this approach that um, downstream to our customer's customer, we work on the receivable side, we're going to meet them where they're at too. So, so maybe day one, you know, they're not 100% digital. And so that's okay. We'll actually help move the money in, in sort of what we'd consider a legacy way. So we'll, we'll move the money through a card or we'll move the money through an ACH or a wire as part of the process to, to get people on board. And it's, probably pretty similar again to the Venmo analogy. You know, Chris, if I was to, you know, sit at drinks with you and we were at a bar and we decided, you know, at the end of the night we were going to split our tab or something or I owed you money, I might send you 50 bucks over Venmo. You might not have a Venmo. Um, and so Venmo is going to sort of get you acclimated very quickly with like a text message that says, hey, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm owed 50 bucks. Um, and then you're going to get in the system in various ways. Maybe you're going to scan your card. Maybe you're going to connect your bank account. There's various ways that you'll get connected into the network. And then from there, it's, it's pretty easy and you, you sort of just use it sort of seamlessly. So, and we work um, in, in a much more complicated way with, you know, people have to set approvals and treasury and all that stuff, but it's the same sort of magic experience. Yeah. I was going to ask you a little bit about that too. So I guess working through multiple different systems, obviously you guys have to, to, to build it, to read, to read and, and match. 
could you talk a little bit about that process and how you guys went to go go to market with that type of approach and, and, and understanding, I guess, the different systems that are out there and, and choosing and working with the ones that yeah, obviously you guys have decided to, to, to combat with? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, so A, we, we, we generally work in the mid-market and the enterprise, so we don't tend to work a lot with small businesses or startups. Occasionally we will, but they tend to be high growth companies. And, um, you know, there's a core set of companies that, that these folks use as their systems of record. And part of the founding of the company was, you know, I spent most of my personal career on the enterprise software side. And so, you know, I'd seen over and over again, uh, companies that, um, as, as our companies got large, we would oftentimes invest in Salesforce, we'd invest in Oracle. And, and then it was ironic to me that the, the money part wasn't sort of there after I spent, you know, a million dollars on one of these systems. And so, so we tend to work with the, you know, sort of largest systems for, for mid-market and the enterprise. So um, that, that's generally Oracle, NetSuite, Salesforce, SAP, Dynamics. Um, there's really a dozen companies in that space that matter. Interesting. Now, in regards to the money movement, I mean, you mentioned you guys are you know, riding your own rails. Could you talk a little bit about that process and how you actually move the money through the smart contracts? Is, does it require you to be regulated here in the States? And you know, what, what's the approach uh, to that? Obviously, the idea for a lot of people is, is there, then they have to have that uplift battle facing you know, U.S. regulation and, and, and state by state. Can you talk a little about that process? Yeah, so, so so the way our blockchain works is a it's decoupled from you know the craze of crypto. So you know we work with very conservative CFOs, you know, at a five hundred million or five billion dollar company. So so the money's in dollars, right, or or euros or pesos. Um, it operates directly into you know both the receivable receivable and payable side of the bank. So ultimately, you know, we operate within sort of the existing boundaries of how a, a enterprise works today and the existing sort of financial framework. So, so really what we're doing is we're matching, you know, what, what is true in the bank with what's true in the, in, in the ERPs and the CRMs. And so smart contracts define that, but we're still mo- moving the money through, through banking infrastructure at some level. And so that, that actually helps relieve the regulatory burden and, yeah. and more importantly means that we have you know, we're working very closely with, with most of the largest sponsor banks in the U.S. To, to partner there. And one of the things we're seeing in general, you know, it's, it's been fascinating. We, we now federate with, I don't know, I think um, uh, 1,800 banks in the U.S. today. And when we started the company, you know, it was really important to us that we built a new financial infrastructure. A little bit of my personal story was um, outside of just spending time in the enterprise side, my family originally um, was an immigrant family, my mother's side. Um, and like many million Americans, you know, their, their American dream was to you know, buy their first home. They ended up losing their, their home in the financial crisis. And so I ended up out of that going back to grad school. And my thesis, I, I did graduate thesis on sort of what was the sort of fundamental causes of, you know, cracks in our financial infrastructure and what were the, some of the areas that technology could create new digital financial infrastructure. And so that, that sort of formed a thesis for what we see as is is the rails for the future and and so we've worked really closely with 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 how do we integrate that in within existing financial service companies and so we now power a number of of larger not only enterprises but also banks and other financial service organizations who are looking for sort of modern next gen rails for for their own set of customers so we announced for example a deal a couple, I think a month or two ago, JCB is one of the largest um, sort of the visa of Japan and Korea. 
Um, they own about 90% of the payment infrastructure over there. And, um, but it's predominantly consumer. And so we'll be powering their commercial or their B2B rails. Um, and so that's one of you know, a number of financial institutions, whether it's regional banks here in the US or, or sort of global networks um, that we're helping sort of um, uh, the financial institutions themselves actually look at next-gen infrastructure for their customer base. Yeah, congratulations on that. And obviously it's working. I mean, you guys just raised Series B, you know, I think 20 million that you got there. So mm-hmm. congratulations with that. I guess the opportunity of bringing this to the banks, as you mentioned, at least from our conversations, they're trying to adopt into you know, these APIs and, and, and that infrastructure. I think you guys are even like ahead of that in that regard. Do you see, I guess, a lot of hesitation from the banks within that? Obviously, you're, you're partnering with, with quite a few, but are they, are they ready for this type of technology in your perspective today? Or are you, 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 know, you helping them get there over the next you know, five to 10 years or so? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great observation. I think every, every bank has some digital transformation you know, process underway, right? And so there, there are different stages in the journey. Some of them are, you know, how do we actually just enable, you know, digital services? Like, you know, how do we downstream have better treasury and receivable services down to maybe our SMB clients or mid-market clients? And so that might be, might be a starting point. But then we're also seeing, you know, banks that are pushing the boundaries more. And so, like you said, it, it could be open APIs that they're sort of looking at creating new, you know, banking as a service and payment as a service platform. So that's an area we help them with. And then I'd say, you know, when you talk about where are we maybe the farthest kind of leading, you know, you can't, you can't be in financial services and you can have an opinion about it, but, but nobody is not talking about blockchain in one way or another. And, mm-hmm. and I think the question becomes, you know, where is it useful? Um, we're, we're, we're moving probably more money kind of at a volume level through the blockchain on the commercial side than just about anybody. And I think the key thing is where, where are the critical use cases? And we believe that a big part of, you know, the next generation is of financial services is enabling more open technology. And so, so one of the things the blockchain does is increase both security, automation, and interoperability, which I think are all things that you know, people in this space care about so we can build better solutions for, for our customers and ultimately society. So I think there's a lot of alignment. It's just a matter of, you know, where are you in the financial services space? Where are you at in the journey? And we, we tend to work with folks kind of all along the journey. So, yeah, I think you made a good point there. And, you know, I guess over the years, blockchain has been that, that term um, always tied to crypto, you know, previously, but now you're seeing it and you guys have kind of applied it a different way for more of the processes and, and, and matching that and, and taking care of that and automating that as, as much as possible. And I think that's, that's the positioning where blockchain really holds, at least in my opinion, the most value moving forward, whether it's the government's moving that way or, or, or different ways to be able to track information as well. I guess to, to, to finish up uh, here, Jeremy, you know, obviously you guys have been really successful. Where, where do you see yourselves um, you know, going in the next two years? Are you going to continue going down the same path you're going to right now? Yeah, I would say I mean, one of the things we're, we're most focused on in the business now is, is, is scaling the business. Um, you know, I think we've been blessed. We're, we, we, we've tripled sort of uh, every metric that matters last year, actually in the last few years, um, every year. And so, you know, I think one of the things we're seeing is this transformation in financial services, whether it's, um, you know, the, uh, an acquisition like Plaid or other, other cases where, you know, the last 10 years were predominantly about getting digital services online. Um, and I think what you're seeing now is the shift for, for fintech companies um, that, are, that are building entirely new next-gen infrastructure 
And I think the onus is on companies like us to scale, right? You know, and I say that's particularly true in things like the blockchain space, where I think the skepticism in blockchain in general is it's sort of like, um, you know, I got my career started in, in the late 90s. And I remember e-commerce was like the hot thing, you know, in commerce in general. And, you know, there were companies like pets.com that received lots of funding. And, and ultimately, they, you know, they, they didn't go anywhere because they at the time didn't prove that there was significant value proposition. And you had a company like Amazon come in and they were just, they kept their heads down and they're like, look, we are going to build a better bookstore. And that better bookstore is going to ultimately show that there's going to be a better e-commerce experience, right? But they had to prove it at, at a commercial scale. And so I think, you know, to me, the lesson of that is, you know, the folks like us that are working on next-gen commercial infrastructure and fintech infrastructure, you know, the, the task at hand is to get to commercial scale. And so I think as a business, we're, we're really focused on that. We're working out with a lot of amazing financial service partners, you know, to, to, to bring the business, you know, to their customer base. And it's a, it's a ton of fun. So, you know, the future looks very, very bright, I think, in fintech in general in the next decade. So, yeah, I think so too. And, and, and like I said, I, I love what you guys are doing over there and really excited to see the journey and the, uh, the, the growth that you guys are bringing to the market. We'll be sure to, to post your information with Paystand for our listeners to get in touch with you. I'm sure you'll have some, some definitely some partnership opportunities uh, from our listeners. Yeah, and a pleasure to have you on. Really good information for our listeners. And like I said, looking forward to, to seeing what you guys do. Chris, awesome. Thanks, man. It's always a, a pleasure to speak with another colleague in the space. And um, yeah, enjoyed spending some time with you guys. Cheers. You as well. Take care. Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.